Kia ora and welcome to the New Zealand Small Business and Entrepreneur Festival podcast, where our guests provide awesome tactics and insights to help move your business towards its aspirations. Kia ora, my name is Craig Murray and you have tuned into the New Zealand Small Business and Entrepreneur Festival podcast delivered to you by DHL, helping connect your business to the world. Today we are super pumped, we have got an expert in well-being, Philly Powell, on the podcast and we're going to be talking about the well-being tick and why well-being is important for your business. So without further ado, I'm going to bring Philly into the stream. Kia ora. Kia ora, Morena, Craig. How are you? Really well, thanks. Um, I am always recording this um, podcast from Rotorua, middle of the North Island. For those of you who are listening to this from outside of New Zealand, whereabouts are you? I'm in Parramatta in Wellington. Wellington, the capital of New Zealand, down the bottom of the North Island. I was about to say South Island. Lovely place, cool place. Hey, thank you so much for your time. We're going to roll straight into our questions because we've got a lot to cover. And one of the questions I ask all of our podcast guests is if in the next couple of minutes, if you could just go through your first ever job, and I'm talking whatever the first ever job was, whether you were delivering pamphlets or you were working at a cafe, and then a little bit of a your origin, your professional origin story, your first like proper paid job where you're in a career sort of job, and then um, every little step, not every little step, but how you got to where you are now. And I'll, I'll hand it over to you. Awesome. Thanks. So it all started uh, back when I was about 16 at New Zealand Natural, which uh, for those of you who don't know, it's an amazing or was an amazing ice cream parlor and probably uh, indicates my addiction for ice cream these days. <laughs> um, so after that, I, you know, I was doing that while I was at university. I literally left college thinking, what on earth am I going to do? going to go to university, there was a bit of an expectation to be the first in the family. Uh, I looked on the list of degrees. Uh, they all looked really boring, apart from one that said <laughs> tourism management. Oh, yeah. um, I thought, cool, I love traveling and holidays. This sounds interesting. Um, so away I went. And during that um, degree, I had one paper in uh, human resources. It was a kind of um, commerce-based degree. And the lecturer um, was this Aussie guy. He told really funny stories about um, people smoking pot and driving forklifts and how that um, was a health and safety risk. And, and I just, um, yeah, really connected. But I, it was also combined with um, my... I had this really strong belief that people needed to be treated fairly. And I guess that sort of saw me um, quite well as I went into this career in HR. So as I finished my um, degree in tourism, I thought I was heading into that industry, started doing a bit of research, found out that it was a very niche area and very hard to get into. So signed up with an agency. The agency said, hey, we've got this job in payroll. And at that point in time, you know, I was probably like 21, quite naive. I didn't realize they actually paid people to pay people. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> I decided to take up this opportunity, which put, exposed me to working with an HR team. And I thought, you know, I started to get quite interested in what they were doing. Um, from there, I moved through various roles in private sector, government, uh, recruitment, and into HR advisory. And I guess uh, spanned... Um, a good you know 10 plus years working in that space um and then when i came back from overseas um i 
was offered um, a role at Chorus. And part of that role was to design and lead a wellbeing program. And I just thought, wow, that is that is so awesome. Um, it, co it collided with a time in my life where I was going through my own um, wellbeing journey. And so I took up this opportunity and I guess what um, started from there was this real journey around merging my passion with my profession. Um, mm. And so I started there in 2015, um, you know, worked from designing that program from scratch to at the end of last year, getting to the point of being nationally recognized uh, for the wellbeing program there for three national awards. Wow. And um, in that time, you know, leading up to the end of my career at Chorus, I guess I was starting to think about what next. Um, and actually, sorry, I should rewind. And um, it was around about 2018, as I was on my own personal well-being journey, I did start to uh, study nutrition. Um, I got really fascinated um, by working with various um, naturopaths and health practitioners on the power of food and how that could really help me heal my gut and um, issues that I was facing. So uh, I took a took a course in nutrition, and um, from there, I was asked by my um, gym that I was at at the time to run a nutrition program. Um, so gave gave that a bit of a whirl. Um, and we had heaps of people take part and it was actually really successful and it was an amazing thrill to see these people, you know, changing their lifestyle, diets, losing weight, all of that good stuff. Um, and so they said, you know, perhaps you should run one again. Um, and I was like, yeah, that's cool. And they said, but this time we think you need your own brand. And I was like, oh. Yeah, um, that's kind of like medium to long term. Like that, that's <laughs> not now I'm not ready for that. You know, I've got a full time job. Um, and they said, well, basically, you can't do it unless you come in under your own brand. Um, so me being me, I decided that I would go in 110%. Um, I employed a brand agency. Um, I worked on this brand um, and website and all of that good stuff. And that was the uh, launch of the Wellbeing Junkie. So it still exists today, a nutrition and wellbeing coaching business to support individuals with their health and wellbeing. Uh, so that was my first little, I guess, um, you know, experience with running a business. Uh, around that time, I was still working for Chorus and I happened to also be, you know, writing, um, this was pre-COVID there, refreshing the flexible working policy. Uh, I thought what better way to, you know, launch this by actually, you know, taking part in it myself and role modeling. Um, so I plucked up the courage after one summer holiday to ask my boss if I could work at home one day a week. Um, that sort of evolved into maybe two days a week. Um, and then it got to the point where I was like, well, if I really want to um, be able to work with clients and, and do this well-being junkie work, this um, I actually don't like the word side hustle because I think that sounds like there's a lot of pressure around that. That's very anti-well-being hustle. Um, so I call it my I called it my passion project. And I also had to pluck up the courage to reduce my hours. So I went from 40 hours to 36. And then eventually that was still, um, you know, not enough. And I was kind of, it was impacting my well-being. So I moved to 32. And essentially I had this, um, you know, really great work-life balance of being able to do two afternoons a week working on my passion project. Or maybe if I didn't have any clients, just, you know, doing whatever I wanted to mm -hmm. do. Um, and, and be able to still um, 
you know, run this um, wellbeing program and the work that I did at Chorus in four days a week. So yeah, then it was like, okay, well, I can see that um, I'm kind of getting this program to a point of maturity, nearly six, six years um, at the organization. And I had been working with mentors along the way. And I remember one of them saying to me, you know, like five years, Philly, like that's going to be enough. And I, you know, I was, I was getting into that sixth year. Um, so I, fortunately at the start of last year, um, I'd been working with Sarah Laurie. She runs uh, a workplace wellbeing um, platform called Take a Breath. Uh, we had implemented that at Chorus um, and we obviously talked a lot and she was curious to know a little bit about the wellbeing junkie um, and she generously um, offered some of her time and then we started this mentorship relationship, which I'm forever grateful for. And um, I started exploring what would it look like to um, take this experience and skill set um, that I'd got from, you know, working um, at Chorus and how could I essentially take that to as many businesses as possible in New Zealand. So sort of going from impacting employees within a company to impacting a country um, when it comes to workplace well-being. So the goal was pretty huge, um, but what that was going to look like, I guess, to get there um, required um, some real deep, deep thinking and thought um, and processing. Um, and I guess that's leading me to, you know, where I've got to today. Um, and so in July, end of July last year, I um, took the leap of faith to leave my corporate role um and because what was coming up in these mentoring sessions is you know I had the concept but I didn't have the time so how can you be working you know four days a week you know it was a pretty full-on job and try to be starting a business at the same time it's just it's it was never going to work so I guess the solution was you need to resign and fully commit and so what that was July 2021 yeah so now okay cool so how has the the last sort of what, what were we six months seven months now how's it been for you um moving all in on your business yeah so um an absolutely amazing experience and i had you know been doing some reading and and somewhere along the way before i started this um venture was that starting your own business is going to be the biggest ever personal development journey you ever go on and it absolutely is in so many ways. Um, so basically in August, I started getting, you know, really deep into, oh, so sorry, I'll, I'll step back. Um, by the time I'd left Chorus, I, I decided uh, through my mentoring sessions that I, um, you know, rather than being a workplace wellbeing consultant, where it was sort of a little bit hard to position myself in the market, I had come up with the idea that I would launch New Zealand's first wellbeing tick, which is a workplace wellbeing accreditation program, very much based off my experience of implementing such programs like uh, the gender tick and the rainbow tick um, within Chorus. I really love the structure and the framework and how it um, facilitated us as an organization to improve in areas that we weren't experts ourselves. And so there I went on this um, journey to, you know, really decide if this was going to be feasible in New Zealand um, and uh, taking the, you know, the sort of framework that I developed at Chorus and looking um, internationally um, to see what our friends, particularly in the UK and the US, were doing in this space, they further ahead. 
um, and looking at research, you know, within Australia and New Zealand. Um, you know, tribute uh, the work of Dr. Hilary Bennett and her mental wellbeing by design framework that helped me with some of my thinking. And I came up with this concept and I guess that that time that I had to research that, then it was like the decision was made and then it was, okay, how am I, I, I need a brand, you know, like it's the wellbeing tick, so how am I going to brand this logo, website, so back to my brand agency, uh, Claire Mance from Talk Communications and her awesome team. Um, they started me on that journey of really, um, you know, thinking about those brand elements. But what I love so much about working with Claire is that um, they're not just about creating the brand. They're about making you really think about your business model. And so we kind of went from these ideas of, is it going to be the corporate well-being junkie? Is it going to be the tech and workshops? And, co you know, it was all, and it was, you know, all of this thinking to get to the point of like, no, no, I'm just going to focus on one thing. I'm going to hone on on this one accreditation program, um, go all in and there, and then see what happens. Um, so that's, that's sort of been the journey of, um, you know, before Christmas was all about brand and website and I officially launched to the public on the 6th of December. I might dig a little bit into the wellbeing tick. If I was a business and uh, we, we contacted you and we said, hey, look, we, we were really um, interested in going through your program. What sort of things do you look for? Or what, what is the framework? Is it? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Let me explain. So basically the wellbeing tip, it's an accreditation program uh, that works on an annual cycle. So at the start of the year, um, I would go into the business and survey all employees that wanted to participate um, in a survey, which really digs into um, employees' wellbeing needs and challenges and issues uh, from a work and personal perspective, uh, risks around burnout, uh, what they think of the um, company's current wellbeing initiatives or support, ideas that they have to improve things, um, what they think of the leadership commitment to wellbeing. And, and it um, also gives the opportunity for people to uh, record their demographics so that we can get quite, um, you know, pointy in terms of, you know, is there particular support needed for different ethnicities or different mm. age groups or perhaps different offices or locations within the country? So we gather this information, really rich data to give the organization a, a feel for what are the actual well-being risks and concerns within the business and what are some of the ways that we can um, work to solve that. Um, I also follow that up with focus groups to dig a little bit deeper to kind of understand, you know, in a face-to-face -face kind of conversational manner um, and then pull together a report. Um, that looks at the high-level trends and themes, um, and then I um, work out recommendations on what could be some of the key priorities that are really going to shift the, the culture within the organisation to make it a really healthy and safe, psychologically, physically safe working environment. Mm. Um, and then work with their project team, so there'd be some kind of uh, wellbeing resource, it might be health and safety, HR, um, and have an internal team to present these recommendations to. Um, and then also the accreditation component is that um, they get given a certain amount of pillars of well-being. So in the first year, it's looking at things like boosting holistic well-being, building the foundations and supporting their people. And they get certain criteria that they need to chip away at over the first year and provide evidence at the end of the year. 
So essentially, they've got some recommendations out of the survey and the focus groups to fo focus on. They've got some criteria to work towards. We shape up a strategy that's going to help them achieve that. They work throughout the year on that, get support with me along the way. And then at the end of the year, they provide the evidence against the criteria. I go back into the organisation, do the survey again, see if things have changed, checking that what HR or health and safety are saying is the same as what the people are saying, or mm. identifying the mismatch where there might be gaps in that um, those perspectives, and then assess them as to whether they have met the you know the benchmark for uh, um, attaining the wellbeing tick for that year. So that's it in a nutshell. Um, and it really is a framework. So there's eight pillars that an organization works across, um, you know, a one to five year journey. And, and I say to organizations, and um, this isn't overnight. We're, we're not like, we're not going to do something, you know, chuck a few yoga classes and some mental health training on and it's going to change the culture in one year these organizations are committing for a minimum of three years because this is transformative culture change. And this stuff is, um, it's, it takes a long time to, to change those behaviors, the mindsets, abolish unhealthy ways of working. And there's a lot of kind of stuff behind the scenes, you know, from changing policies to creating governance structures, committees, you know, there's a lot of work involved to get that, to get to that point. Um, of really shifting the culture. So it sounds like there is a lot of your time that's involved, um, immersed into uh, another business uh, um, work culture. Is it just you working with Wellbeing Tech or have you got a whole bunch of, of, of <laughs> contractors as well? So, so at this point in time, in terms of the delivery and the development, or the delivery is me at this point, um, I'm mm -hmm. a startup. I don't have the financial means to be employing um, a team. And I just also aren't at the capacity with clients to, to mm. need that yet. So at the moment, my support team would be the likes of my um, brand and marketing support, um, accountant, obviously, I have mm. a mentor. Um, and I'm also outsourcing some work at the moment to the wonderful Stephanie Love. She's also just gone out at her own HR professional and she's my survey and reporting uh, mm. guru. Um, and that's been really, really beneficial to get this super slick survey and reporting done. So when you capture, sorry, I'm gonna, I'm gonna keep um, talking about this because it's super cool. So when you're capturing all the information from your interviews with staff and middle, or man, management and HR, where do you, how do you capture it? Do you write it down or do you put it into, yeah. is there sort of some sort of software that you put it into? So for the survey, I am using SurveyMonkey at this point in time. Um, mm -hmm. You know, for something, it's something that I've used before in the past that I'm familiar with. Um, it's um, affordable and I'm actually just working through um, with one of um, the founding members as to ensuring that, you know, the security and all of that stuff is, um, you know, up to scratch for privacy and confidential um, purposes. Mm. Mm. And then for the um, focus groups, I am still working through what my process will be for that. Mm. Okay, cool. I've got a question about processes that I might ask it a little bit later on. You must, so over the six years that you're working with Chorus and they've got a, how many staff do Chorus have? It's a uh, it's sort of, it, it varied sort of from a thousand to about 800 now. Mm. And from your, the work that you're doing inside other businesses now, are there any sort of common themes that you're seeing um, that are impacting the well-being of um, people who are working 
like common sort of traits? Yeah, I mean, I think the biggest risk at the moment that's very topical is burnout. So, Mm -hmm. you know, from the start of, you know, I mean, actually before the start of the pandemic, this was already on the rise. But I think what the pandemic um, has led to is, you know, a lot more people working at home, uh, this hybrid working environment. And there's a lot of people that struggle to turn off. You know, I'm at home, the computer's just down the hallway. I can start early. I don't have to commute. Um, They get engrossed in their work. They've got lots of work to do. They don't know when to stop. Um, So there's just been this real creep in the amount of hours that people have been working since uh, COVID commenced. So so burnout is a real risk. Um, And, you know, every organization that I speak to, there are concerns around, um, you know, workload um, and they're overwhelmed from so much to do, deadlines, pressure, long hours. Um, there's, I mean, they're also facing the, um, the mental health challenges that come with the pandemic and the uncertainty that's, you know, been around for the last couple of years and it's ongoing. We're on red alert. We've got Omicron coming. So what does that mean? Um, you know, navigating things like the vaccinations in the workplaces. Um, so yeah, there is, I think, you know, the last couple of years has been a really challenging time um, for the workplaces and supporting their employees' well-being. Because I think what you're seeing is, you know, maybe before COVID or earlier, you know, it used to be about, you know, you show up to work, you kind of put your professional hat on mm-hmm. and you speak yeah. a little bit different and you, you know, you maybe you dress different and all this stuff. Then we went into this pandemic where we are like we are now. We're in our homes. You're in my dining room. Um, and over time, I guess that formality has dropped off, which is awesome. Mm-hmm. You know, like I'm wearing my active wear on the bottom, you know, all of that kind of mullet dressing. and um, <laughs> Mullet dressing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I guess like I even saw it when I went back to the office that the standard of dress had gone from, you know, the days of kind of power suits and high heels and, you know, full suits and ties and stuff for men to, you know, I'm seeing like tie-dyed t-shirts, sneakers, jeans, and it's totally cool. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And, um, you know, like as you get older and a bit more practical, it's like it's actually quite comfy wearing sneakers walking from the train station to work. Mm -hmm. And And you kind of go, wow, now I can work in this environment that I'm comfortable with what I'm wearing. You know, I don't have to sort of, live to these sort of um, status quo standards of what the appropriate clothing is um, for work. And so I do feel that there's been this, um, you know, we've, we've stopped having to put on our professional hat and we can be a lot more authentic. And I guess some of that also comes from the focus around um, the work in the diversity and inclusion space and really trying mm-hmm. to create a sense of belonging for people um, in the workplace. That resonates with me so a lot i used to call i used to call myself the corporate craig and then the regular craig and and it took i suppose a, a number of years years and years actually it wasn't up until like probably four or five years ago where i was just craig i was authentically myself and i didn't wear a hat and things like this to to, to mm. work because sometimes that wasn't um appropriate for the for for the wherever i was working but still um i was still always the same craig i'm um the same dude whether I'm, I'm talking to my mates fishing or surfing or mountain biking or 
um, trying trying to make a sale um, for Destination Otero or wherever I was working at the time. Yeah, so I think there has been a massive shift, and it's a bit of confidence in, in, in um, interpersonally as well. I feel to be able to be your authentic self. Totally. Why do you think well-being is important for a business? Yeah, so when I was doing my uh, thinking around this, I actually went back to my business plan. So, Mm. you know, whatever a business plan is supposed to look like, Mm. you know, I really kind of made it up myself. But I wanted to answer, you know, the Simon Sinek why, and you ask yourself why, say six Mm -hmm. times. And, Mm. you know, it's kind of like, why is well-being important? Well, well well-being is essential if we want to thrive and live our best lives. Um, And also because when we feel, think, feel good and enables us to show up as our best selves and really to perform at our best. And that's personally, like whether it's in the gym in the morning um, or wherever it's work, um, you know, me showing up to this podcast today. uh, And life is just easier. It's happier. It's more fulfilling. It's just richer. Um, And when we're physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually healthier and stronger, we're more likely to experience joy peace and happiness in life and that's kind of what it's all about and I think that you know well-being becomes important because we gather up all of these uh, tools and resources and knowledge and self-awareness with these different modalities that we might practice whether it's meditation whether it's fishing mountain biking you know cooking whole foods um, um, all of that kind of stuff that helps us to navigate the really challenging times in life uh, and to avoid that stress, worry, and fear. And so you kind of go, well, what, you know, well-being is about humans thriving at their best. So wouldn't it make sense that humans or employees are thriving and at their best and feeling like this when they're at work? Mm. And um, I was just, I don't know what I was writing the other day, um, but I was talking about how, we should actually become better, healthier humans by going to work. A lot of people will go, what? (laughs) You know, Um, but I believe that, you know, when we um, as individuals focus on choosing a career or a job that really uh, works to our strengths and our interests, it's not just about the paycheck. We um, choose very carefully the company that we're going to work for. You know, what's the culture there? What are the benefits? How are they going to support me? How are they going to develop me? Um, You know, going to an interview and actually meeting the person that's going to be leading you. Like, this is a two-way street. What, What are the, you know, you know how you like to be led. Is this leader going to be actually supporting you on your journey? Are they going to be allowing you these flexible working arrangements that supports your lifestyle? Is this job, company, boss, pay, all of that stuff, is this sufficient enough for me to go in day in, day out, um, and it boosts my well-being by what I'm getting out of it in terms of development and in the supportive environment that you're working in? Mm. Wow, that's a great answer. Um, I was going to ask you a question about your... your um, what brands had the biggest impact on you, but I might um, I might change it slightly to sit and being more aligned to well-being. Is there a brand that you're familiar with that has a really strong culture, or, um, or you'd think of them as being the the 
they'll definitely get a well-being tick because of the things that you know that they've done in the past, apart from chorus, mm. because you've obviously already set that up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so you mean maybe not brand but company? Yeah, company. It could be Google, could be Nike. Um, yeah. It could, it, it could be um, the ice cream parlor that used to work. Well, I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I mean, I'm just going to go random to <laughs> something that it came that came up in my career. It was around, it was teaching people around positive workplace culture, and it was the fish market in Seattle. Oh yeah. And there was this fish market there that, um, you know, like they're selling fish, but what they used to do was like. Um, with their markers and stuff, draw little happy faces on the fish. They'd throw the fish around and they'd have this really like kind of, they'd turn this really boring job into something fun. So I, that was just something that popped up. But in terms of New Zealand companies, I mean, there's actually quite a lot of uh, organisations that are really starting to put a lot of emphasis in this space. So probably too many to name names. Um, I mean, there's been various awards where organisations are picking them up. Um, what would be my answer there? <laughs> I like the fish one because I, I, there's a there's a short little video about it and they've actually got a book. And then yes. they're like, hey, fish, and they throw it out and catch it. It's, just, it's super cool. And it, it's, it's probably the third or fourth time that that fish um examples come up over my podcast so i'm going to have to yeah. link that video somewhere and say, hey, yeah, look, this, totally. this, is, this is how you can um because they're called fishmongers so you, this is how you could um create a, what a job that you think may not be cool to be something that you really want to be involved in because they get crowds and crowds of people just to watch people um engage and they must sell a hell of a lot more um fish than they normally then poor mate down the road who's just totally sells it yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's yeah, cool. and I think I mean another one that springs to mind in terms of like a global brand would be Lululemon, mm -hmm. um, obviously in the well-being industry. And I guess having known the kind of backstory of being in Vancouver and knowing that it all started there, and um, you know they've created this amazing global brand that's based on really high quality. Um, but they also do a lot for the community. So you know they have Lululemon ambassadors that um, go out there in the community. They do run clubs. They offer free yoga classes, that kind of thing. I think it's really cool when the organization is, you know, they've got a great culture, but then they're also spreading that out into the community as well. Cool. I'm going to move to another question. Our audience is made up of small and medium businesses around, typically around New Zealand. If a small business is just is out there doing the mahi right now, they don't have a huge amount of time or budget because it's real tricky out there at the moment um, to focus on well-being or or invest in um, a well-being plan. Could you? What would be a good start for them? Yeah. So it can be really, really as simple as getting the team together setting aside some time and having an informal discussion. Maybe you get some food, maybe you get some beers. I don't know what your environment's like. And uh, talking about what do you need to have an awesome day at work? Mm. Things will start popping out like, oh, I need coffee, I need a bit of banter, um, you know, I need sausage rolls, I need um, the ability to have time to focus. You know, I like, I like having the ability to work at home a few days a week. Um, you know, whatever it might be, 
And what I learned with this question, it was a really smart question that I sort of um, interpreted from a Mental Health Foundation uh, Train the Trainer workshop I went to a few years ago, is that as opposed to setting up a mental health 101 first aid, you know, stress management type workshop that no one really wants to go to or put their hand up for, you've asked someone a really simple question, you know, using, you know, informal language, what do you need to have an awesome day at work? Mm. You haven't asked them, um, you know, what do you need to support your mental health? But you actually have mm. at the same mm. time. And so, so we get all this positive stuff going. And I guess what we start understanding from this is, well, you know, if you've got shit coffee in the office, come on, like that's just a small low hanging fruit. Let's, let's change the coffee because yeah. they're complaining about that or they want some almond milk or whatever it is. Um, and then have a conversation around, well, what stops you having an awesome day at work? And, you mm. know, you might be, maybe you're, um, gosh, I'm trying to, I was trying to think of an example, like a tradie example, but I haven't really worked mm. in that space, but you know, for them, it might be like, oh, you know, like the, the portaloos are disgusting. Mm. Yeah. Well, let's mm. sort them out. You yeah. know, our, our lunchroom's gross. It's like just, yeah, yeah. just sitting in wheelbarrows. Yeah, um, yeah. Or like, um, you know, this really sucks working till five o'clock in summer. Well, <laughs> maybe we can start earlier and finish earlier, you know, mm. that kind of stuff. Um, so I think it really starts with the conversation. How do we actually start, um, you know, as a as the boss or the founder, like how do we, or the, or the, or the team leader, how do we start actually understanding what is impacting your people's well-being, and, mm. and don't be afraid to limit it to work, you know, back to that conversation before, you know, Craig is Craig, um, mm. and, you know, I guess it's trying to build that, I guess it's showing vulnerability, and Craig Hudson talked about this, is, you know, the more you can show up and, um, you know, be a bit more vulnerable with what you share that's happening outside of work, that yeah. then builds the trust with your employees to be able to go, oh, yeah, hey, actually, you know, me and the missus had an argument last night. I'm not really on, on my game today, you know, or it might be, you know, there's this um, movement now where um, older women going through menopause are actually being able to actually talk about that in the workplace mm. because it does actually impact their performance and there will be days where they're not they're not feeling their best so mm. you know it's about I, I say it's about treating humans as human beings and just having some really open dialogue do you think oh, and some... the final bit sorry the oh, final yeah. bit is <laughs> let's not just talk about it let's like write it down record it and create an action plan and talk about okay well if these are some of the issues that we're facing like what what can we do to solve some of that and actually chip away and then regularly check in and talk to this plan. Um, doesn't need to be pretty or anything, but just talk to it at your regular team meetings or one-on-ones with your leader. Cool. That's really helpful. That's and really simple sort of things that you don't need to have. Um, a, you don't um, need any money for that. Maybe yeah, some coffee might be a little bit more expensive. I don't know. <laughs> I suppose it is a courageous question to ask from a from a manager. Let's let's go into the tradey sort of space because I, I did work mm. in there for a little bit when I left school mm. with my dad. Wasn't well, yep. <laughs> I can't imagine that he would ever ask that question of me. Um, how do they how do they start to approach it? They're like, hey guys, we're going to have a we're going to have a bit of a catch up. Um, on Thursday night, we're going to finish at four. We're going to have a bit of a barbie, and we just want to have a chat to you guys about how we can make our make our team a little bit tighter and or what would help make working for us with us, yeah. to say better. Yeah, 
I mean, I guess it's always going to depend on the individual and, mm. you know, who works in your team. But I think it's about the leader or the business owner really uh, coming from a place of um, being genuine. And it might be like, you know, hey, guys or girls, um, guys and girls, you know, um, you know, maybe I've been doing some thinking, um, you know, I've been listening to some podcasts or I heard this, you know, watch this show and you know there's been a lot of talk about well-being and culture and you know some of my observations um, of us as a team or you know I know that we've been challenged by you know the um, you know COVID and and having to reduce hours or you know all of this uncertainty and you know me personally I think it's bringing in the me personally you know this has really impacted me too you know the financial pressure that this has had on the business and um, you know, I know that we've got people on the team that might be, you know, someone might have had someone that passed away or whatever that's the sort of well-being challenges within the team and um, and kind of coming from that place of like, I want to make sure that, when, you know, when you guys and girls are coming to work that, you know, you're having a really good time and there's, I want to understand if there's anything that I can do as, you know, the owner of this business to, you know, create this to be a really positive culture, you know, and, um, and really you know, open up the conversation and, and you know, for people to be able to come and share challenges or, or things that they need to support them in, in their time at work. Brilliant. I'm going to take that snippet out because that's going to be really powerful for a lot of businesses out there who think that having a wellbeing plan is going to be a, a mighty financial investment where sometimes it doesn't have to be. No. So what would your single most valuable piece of advice be for a business right now that is just starting out? Oh, um, get a mentor, hands down. No, mm -hmm. Yeah. So I, um, just to kind of give people some practical examples of how to do that. At the start of my career, I went through the HRNZ, um, Human Resources NZ Institute and got one that way. Um, when I moved on from that person, I actually put it out there on LinkedIn. I said, hey, I'm looking for a mentor to support me in my HR um, development. I was so fortunate to get, um, you know, two guys that owned HR consultancy at the time. And they said, hey, what we'll do is one month you can see me, the other month you can see him. And and as a female working in the HR industry, having male mentors was a real, you know, that I was very lucky to have that because it's so fem uh, female dominated. Okay. And I also and I also got the different perspectives of two different guys. Um, so that was an amazing couple of years that I spent with them. Um, and from there, it was interesting actually. I. Um, you know, always quite, I'm quite a big component of holistic type alternative support. And I went to an intuitive guide mm -hmm. and I'm actually seeing her in a couple of weeks and it was a few years ago. And she told me that I didn't need an HR mentor anymore. I needed a business coach. Mm. I can hear her voice right now. And to think, you know, like I never thought I'd be starting a business and here I am. So, you know, if you guys are into that kind of stuff, mm. try it out because she was so right. And um, and then I ended up with Sarah Laurie, who I spoke about earlier, just by chance. Um, and also, in addition to that, I reconnected with a family friend, um, Kiwi family friend that lives in the UK. 
She's an amazing, um, she just knows so much about startups. She's actually a, um, in a startup network. She's a business mentor, Claire Kavanagh. And, um, you know, it's been great for us to connect. Uh, we both have been living alone in this pandemic. Um, so connect on a personal level. Um, but also she's been really uh, helping me with a different perspective to, say, Sarah here in New Zealand because I've different got different skill sets and experiences. So um, I feel very fortunate to have them both. And then I must also add I have a third mentor. She is a friend. Um, <laughs> Holly Rees, and she's actually just started her own career coaching business called Career Space. Um, so check that out. And we do a monthly Zoom um, where we basically sort of like, you know, do um, reverse coaching. So we're just, you know, we actually caught up last night and we were talking through all the various things like SEO, website optimi optimization, and, you know, we're going through building our website together. So anyone that's kind of going through the process at the same time, is also so valuable because you're you're in the details together, um, and that's just been a really valuable um, relationship to to connect with. Where do you see the well-being tech in five years' time from now? Like, what what's your aspiration? Score? Yeah, yeah. So the aspiration really about the well-being tech has always been that I want to have a significant impact on the alarming state of mental health in New Zealand. And so, like, I myself have experienced uh, the heavy emotional toll that it can take of seeing family members go through mental illness. I've been in some pretty dark spaces myself. Um, but the fortunate thing is I've had access to amazing support and resources in the workplaces um, that I've been at, and particularly, you know, Chorus in the last, you know, six years of my career. Um, I was so lucky to draw upon all of the good stuff there to help me navigate these challenging times. Um, but so many Kiwis don't have access to this at work. And so... The workplace really plays a critical role, I believe, in educating employees about well-being, mental health. And so my vision is that imagine if we could have all Kiwi businesses that are kind of in that, you know, 300 plus employees um, to have the well-being tip, which is about, um, it's over 20% of the population. Mm. So it's about 1.3 million people. Then you go, imagine if they're sharing that stuff with their, their family, mm. their friends, their flatmates. The ripple effect this can create, and I, and I wrote a post about it recently, like workplaces literally have the power to save lives. So I guess by bringing in the well-being tech and providing organizations with this uh, framework, this guided facilitated process to build that well-being culture, you know, I feel like um, that is going to help the greater Aotearoa and the, and the alarming state of mental health. That's the vision. <laughs> Epic. Hmm. Two more questions. What content do you consume yourself personally to for a little bit of fully escapism? Yeah, well, I am a self-confessed well-being junkie, so pretty much everything I look at, listen to is well-being related. Mm -hmm. um, What's your favourite? Yeah, yeah, so at the moment I'm currently switching between two books, um, reading mm -hmm. Jay Shetty's Think Like a Monk, which is awesome. Oh, yeah. I've heard a lot um, about that book, yep. Yeah, and then also Susie McAlpine's Beyond Burnout, which is 
all about burnout in the workplace. She's a phenomenal uh, leadership coach, coach uh, specialising in burnout in New Zealand. I'm mm. um, also a podcast binge listener. I don't <laughs> own Netflix, but I can binge pretty awesome on podcasts. And so a couple of the ones that I um, am listening to that are work-related or workplace well-being, or no more work in general, is uh, Deep Questions by Cal Newport. He's the guy that did the um, deep work. And Work Life by Adam Grant, who's an amazing um, org psych. He's, he's someone good to follow, actually, on LinkedIn or Twitter or wherever you want to find them. And um, Sarah McGuinness's Workplace Wellbeing podcast from the Revolutionaries of Wellbeing. You might just find me on an episode and some other yes. amazing Kiwi um, businesses that are talking about how they implement wellbeing. So that's very relevant here. Um, Oh, and on a personal note, I like Jay Shetty's On Purpose podcast, uh, Jimmy Hunt, um, who's done a lot yeah. of work in the in workplace well-being and mental fitness, Joe Rogan, um, he's always he's always an interesting one, particularly in these times. Um, now he is. He's in the yeah. media at the moment. Yeah. And um, on LinkedIn, I, from a workplace well-being perspective, I really like following uh, Jen Fisher. She's the Deloitte Chief Wellbeing Officer. Mm -hmm. uh, so they're really kind of global leaders in that space. Um, Jahan Kaisen Sander, I, I'm not sure if I've got the name right. He's Kesan the, um, Kesanada, yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah. Amazing uh, journalist and storyteller that's, um, you know, written a book called This Is Not The End. I gave it to my uh, brother for Christmas um, and he's learning a lot from that. And I just love, I love, he's really um, challenging people's thinking and a really different approach to um, mental health kind of awareness in New Zealand, which is awesome. So and, so Jahan yeah. is our MC for the NZ Smyrna Festival. I'm there. I'm there. Yeah, he's the man. He's awesome. <laughs> yeah, totally. And um, Lucas Finch, he's the global <laughs> head of wellbeing. Zero. <laughs> yeah. Oh, awesome. trust me, I could I could talk all day. Um, I am a bit of a um, I, consumer I, uh, of content. <laughs> yeah, I thought I thought I was as well, but wow, you just absolutely emote over me. That's yeah. awesome. Um, very, very last question. Who do you think that would be a great guest to have on the Smeany podcast? This was so tricky. <laughs> I still don't know what the answer is. Um, I might hunt down your um, your mentor. Yes, do Sarah Laurie. Sarah Laurie, incredible. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna add Sarah Laurie, and when I drop this, um, yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, podcast and hopefully we can have her as a guest on the yeah, podcast do that. <laughs> awesome uh, Philly, this has been so cool i very very much appreciate your time um we will link as much as we can to the well-being tick in any of the show notes spotify um, linkedin youtube um anchor all those sorts of things um thank you very much for your time you're awesome thank you so much for the opportunity it's been fun well thank you so much you have a great day and hopefully I'll be able to see you in person um, at one of the festivals or before then. Thanks so much. See ya. See you later. Bye.